0: Father in heaven, we thank you so much for this opportunity and thank you so much for the privilege of gathering together as your people. Thank you, Lord, for the passion for mission that's in the heart of each person that's here, a willingness to serve and be used by you to transform the lives of others, to lead people to Christ, to minister to their needs and draw them towards eternity. So now we pray that you'll bless us as we visit together about this trip. And there may be a lot of questions in people's minds, we pray that you will help us to be able to answer those thoroughly and efficiently. So we ask for your spirit now, in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Just want to mention that uh, we have two different uh, brothers with us today. Elder Daryl Bentley, who's pastor of the Metro Church in Detroit, and also Elder Corey Hurth, which he stepped out for a minute, he'll be right back. And he pastors the Warren Church. And these two brothers work together. They are volunteer coordinators through Quiet Hour. And that's who we partner with from the conference here to be able to uh, carry out these trips. And so uh, we'll be working together. So at any time uh, down the road on the back of your flyer, there's their information, my information, and you'll be able to call any one of us. What I want to start with today, just give you a kind of a picture of where we're going here. Uh, I tell you, man, when I need stuff, nothing works for me. Let's try this. Here we go. All right. Yes. Yes, I'll explain what I'm going to do here in a minute. So my plan today is to share a brief report with you from the last mission trip we took as a conference to Wakiya Sacra. How many of you remember seeing that last summer? We talked about that. We had an information session here. And then Pastor Hertel is going to give us a presentation on Cuba and what we're going to expect and some information there and then we want to answer your questions and then we're going to encourage you to sign up for the trip and pay your two thousand dollars today no, I'm just kidding. Um, We have a google form that you can sign up to be on the information list. Now some of you may already say, I know I want to go, I'm already sold on that and that'd be great. Um, You, quiet hour, will soon have up the sign up sheet but they don't quite have that yet so we're going to make do with a google form well, and then
1: actually, they,
0: do have an link. they do have it now okay hey beautiful perfect that's even better I was talk about that, so okay I, I didn't done. I didn't realize that I just learned it. yeah absolutely I'm okay, I'm okay. all right so two other things we need to do after that is I want I'll have flyers for you to take back to your churches and share with your churches and encourage others from your church or you may have friends or relatives or whoever to sign up and be a part of this trip. And then the last thing will be don't let me forget we need to at the end of our meeting today take these chairs and fold them up and lean them against the back wall. Okay? That's the last thing. Yes. Was it just- Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you do not. You do not have to be an Adventist, but we'll talk, we'll talk about that. So if you have questions, hold them to the question time because we may answer them during the two presentations. And then if you still have questions, we'll come back and answer those. All right, so what I want to do is just start with giving you a little report of the last trip that we took to Joaquias, Ecuador. It was a very fantastic trip in Pastor Courier. Or Daryl, you guys can feel free to jump in anytime. Uh, this was just one of the shots we took from up on a hill, one of the beautiful shots of the of the city. And the living conditions for many of the people there are what you would expect in in a less than first world country. Some of the homes I visited, you know, people had dirt floors and you know, those kind of things, big gaping holes in the roof where the mice freely came in and out and those kind of things. Those were the homes of the people that we visited. This was our group here. We had almost 40, I think it was 37 people total that we had. And it was a wonderful group. Some of you are back in here right now, uh, ready for Cuba. So it was just a thrilling experience, a real life changing experience. Every mission trip that you go on, how many of you have ever been on a mission trip? Okay. So most of you, all of you I think are veterans. So you know the experience that you gain there. It's unlike anything else. Um, And the people, of course, were very warm and welcoming. And each morning we had daily worships and we would get our assignments. And Elder Bentley led out in those worships each morning. And the people were uh, always there. It's always good to start with that. Then each day we'd have a daily evangelism training. Uh, i just take about 5 to 10 minutes, sometimes 15 minutes or so, to just give some very fundamental principles of what we were doing there that you can then take home and use where you're at. I remember there was one of the ladies, she's not here today, but she wrote me back and she said, she wrote me just uh, several months ago, maybe in February or so, and she said, I'm preaching my first sermon today. And she said, I'm just so excited about what the Lord's been doing in my life. And she was more involved and active in her local church when she got home. So one of the things that we do is medical clinic or eye care clinic. And it was very exciting because in five days of clinics, we served over 700 people. Uh, We served five different churches in the area. And this is a picture from the first day we were there. We got to the church and out in front of the church, there was about four or five people. And uh, we said, oh, wow, how nice. There's we got there about 30 minutes early, I think it was. There's a few people here already. That's really wonderful and we go in and then we you guys are laughing because you you were there We went around the corner and we saw this I mean there's just people there's like a hundred people already there waiting for us excited for what we're gonna share with them So we did a number of things we had several medical professionals. We had nurses and one physician and uh, various other people that had medical training we did uh, triage and vitals glucose eye care and nurse and physician counseling. I mentioned more than 700 people served, and I asked our doctor and nurses how much medical care they would guess that we gave out, and we gave out around $150,000 worth of medical care. Very exciting. And uh, more than 300 Bible study requests. We had a form where people could check off if they were interested in Bible studies, and people uh, checked that off it was very wonderful to see them signing up for that and then several of those people came to the meetings that we had uh, throughout the week so here's just a few pictures of them taking the glucose testing and there's jen right there doing the eye care and they were people who had the opportunity to get tested for reading glasses not prescription glasses but reading glasses and you know a lot of times people had their three-year-old kids in there saying oh my kid needs glasses but we served a lot of people that really did need them. And there were some people, one lady said, uh, you know, I, I'm gonna start reading my Bible now that I can see uh, the pages and the words again. So we had a really wonderful experience with that. These are the glucose and vitals sign, uh, signs that people were taking. This was our physician, Dr. Joe, and some of our nurses. And the people were just very thankful. We also did a benevolent work. A number of our volunteers brought suitcases full of stuff down to Ecuador and we had a table set up so when they went through all the clinic they could go out there and we had brand new clothes and undergarments and all kinds of, you know, hygienal uh, items, hand sanitizer and toothbrushes and toothpaste and the people were very excited. Um, You can see we, when we got to Joaquias there in Ecuador, we went to the top floor of the hotel, and we, and we laid all the stuff that everybody brought out on the tables. And then we divided it all up equally among the churches. And each day we'd take a couple of suitcases full of stuff, and the people were just very happy. You can see the generosity of our people. These are all stuff from people from Michigan that brought in other places. And so there's Jeannie, and she just thrilled to see uh, the young people's hearts. Uh, That's me there, but I cut my head off uh, intentionally. We also had spiritual counseling and prayer. Uh, People were invited to take Bible studies, and many people were just so open to prayer, they wanted to have that prayer. Our Two two of our good leaders, Pastors Daryl and Corey, were walking down the street. Everybody else was on the bus, and they were walking, and this guy comes walking down the street. He's just kind of like a little laser beam, just zipping around, and he's looking around. He says, what are you guys doing here? What is this? And so they started to tell him what we were doing. You know, we are hosting some, uh, uh, you know, some medical clinics and various things, helping the churches and the people of the city. And he just whips out a tripod and whips out a camera and throws his thing up. And he says, "I want to do a news story." He was from the local news, and so he interviewed Darrell and Corey, and he put that on the news broadcast that evening. Very powerful. So our 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 efforts were actually broadcast across the entire city. Very exciting. Then we had a construction project. We had a couple crews that were doing uh, various things. We did uh, completed a baptistry that was actually used on the second series set or the second Sabbath of the meetings. Amen? And so it was used just right after it was built. We built some did we actually end up doing the bathrooms? We did a something for them. Yeah, we
2: were, it wasn't for that it was for the Floresta church. Mm-hmm. Um, and they actually said that they've just recently, about a month ago, completed uh, fi- those restrooms. They finished finish what we started. Them.
0: Right. So we started those, and then the church just finished them. Amen? And then we did so a little... We financed it 100%. We financed it, yes. Yeah. Absolutely.
1: <laughs> Three times. <so>. Yeah. It was one of those projects that was like, we need your total, we need the exact...
2: Yeah. Oh yeah, here's here's how much it is. Everybody, we come back the next day, well, we oh, also are so going to need minute. this. Finally, yeah. we want. Yeah
1: just nothing another thousand wouldn't fix. Yeah. Every day it was it was two hundred, and the next day, well, we just need three fifty more, and then we
0: just need. Yeah. So by that third, or fourth day, Pastor Ben looked at me and goes, "I mean, nothing a thousand wouldn't do." Yeah, that's right. That's right. But we finally got her. We finally got we her. And then we did a little pad for the uh one of the churches so that they can host some events. And you know, you guys that have been on trips know the construction is much slower there. Uh, different methods that. They use that we used to use that don't we don't use anymore. All OSHA approved, All OSHA approved just like that one right there. That's OSHA approved right there. And uh, so, you ever see that? You ever see that mime on Facebook that says th- this is why men live shorter lives than women? Um, there you go. That's part of it. So there's that pad that we poured. It was a really ex- wonderful experience. Here's the baptistry uh, that ended up being completed. And there's the backside of that, and then it was used that next Sabbath for baptisms. I think you did the baptisms, didn't you?
2: I did, and it actually, since it wasn't quite ready to hold water, they put this tub in it. Yes. And it was a ladder built for somebody her size. (laughs) Um, And so I go to crawl into it and nearly died. (laughs) We baptized three people.
0: Amen. Amen. We made it. So each evening, that we would do the clinics and the construction work in the daytime. And then in the evenings, we would uh, have evangelistic meetings, health talks, and nightly VBS for children. And so the children would come, and they would round up their friends from the community, and they'd come, and they'd do crafts and songs and Bible stories and so forth. Then we'd have those evangelistic meetings each night. As I mentioned, some of the churches were very big and nice and beautiful, and then other churches were... Small rural, or not I won't say rural, but more of the outlying area churches, what's that? More rustic, more, rustic, more you know, <laughs> pioneerish, and um, uh, kind of a glorified tent almost. And yeah, that's right. And some of the neighborhoods were, you know, questionable, but the Lord kept our people. This was at my site. This is Crystal from uh, Detroit, Farmington and she was doing the health talks, did a wonderful job each night for me, and we had a good full house there most evenings, and then we'd preach the meetings, and uh, at the end of those meetings, we had several speakers, lay speakers. I didn't have any pictures of other speakers, that's why I put myself in there, because my wife made the slideshow, um, or she made the original one and I tweaked it. Let's just be clear, I did do something more than talk. Um, but, uh, it was a real blessing because we had lay people that were preaching the three angels' messages. Amen? Calling people to choose Christ, calling people to choose His truth, to follow His truth, to keep the Sabbath and be a part of God's end time church. And you may be thinking to yourself, well, I, I don't know if I could do that. I might go and help with the children. But God may call you to preach. And if He does that, I'm telling you, you'll, you'll and you're willing to yield to it, He'll give you a power that you can't even imagine. Amen? And so we, at the end, we had um, 27 baptisms and several more that were preparing and who had made decisions. And um, it was a wonderful time. I mean, we could tell you a lot of different stories, but uh, the Lord really blessed. And there's the four pastors that were from Michigan. Pastor Richardson's in here again joining us. He wants to go to Cuba. So that was our experience there in Ecuador. We could say more, but... It was pretty exciting. So our next conference trip is going to be in March of next year for to Cuba. And 2020. Yeah. I forgot to change that. So it'll be next year, not this year, but next year. And uh, I'm going to let Pastor Herthel come up and talk a little bit about how that trip's going to be. So what I'm excited about is that Yeah, you don't need that. Is that, you know, what I'm excited about from the conference end is that we want people to go on the trip and have a good experience and have a wonderful time. But more importantly, we want them to come back, not just saying, wow, that was a great experience. Maybe in another couple, two or three years, I'll do that again. But we want people to actually be so transformed that they say, hey, I've got a mission right here in my local church, in my community, where I'm at, God wants me to labor for Him, and come back and be excited about the mission and in their church and be involved in that and be willing to be used by God, not just there, but also here. Amen? And so that's our goal for this trip is to, yes, to have a great experience there, but to be able to transfer that here, and so that you can know that God will use you everywhere. So, Elder Herthal, if you talk to us about the other, put this on. It is.
1: Yeah, but it's, since we got here, okay. Yes, they will.
0: Yeah, edit it.
1: All right. So, as uh, as uh, Elder West has already mentioned, we are going to. Cuba. That's what the Cuban flag is there for. March 2020, and so the dates you had were right. Yeah, March 11 through the 22nd. That means that you will leave out from your home airport. Um, how many of you would, if you go, would fly from Detroit? Just, just to show a hands. Okay. How many would be Grand Rapids? Okay. So the majority would be Detroit, Grand Rapids. Um, the price could fluctuate a little bit depending on which airport that you choose, generally out of Michigan, Quiet Hour has attempted to get us to go out of Detroit because they tend to get the better deals. But if you have to do Grand Rapids, I'm sure that can be worked out and we'll just have to look at that as it comes. So so in, in this context, um, when we do these trips with Michigan Conference, Wes is the liaison between all of you and Michigan Conference for planning these things. And Pastor Bentley and I are the liaisons for Quiet Hour Ministry. And so we're kind of representing the Quiet Hour, which is who our sponsor ministry is for these trips. And we we use Quiet Hour because, of course, they give us the framework and the infrastructure in order to make the trip happen. They're the ones that are procuring visas when, when necessary. And yes, when you go to Cuba, you must have a religious visa in order to go there. Um, They handle all of the preparation as far as booking your trip. You don't have to go online and book anything. They have a a great travel agent that handles all of that and gets the best deals. And so that's why we go through quiet hours. So that's why I have their little symbol up here um, just as a reminder. So we're going to Cuba. How many have ever been to the island of Cuba before? Okay, so some of us in here have been. It's a wonderful place to visit. I've been there about six or seven times now at this point. Um, I've spent all of my time pretty well in the eastern portion of Cuba, which from about here over, um, these two major cities, Camagüey and Olguin, I'm very familiar with. Uh, Pastor Bentley's been with me to Olguin, and uh, we kind of co-led a trip back a couple years ago there. I've also been up to Havana. I I drove in a car from Camagüey up to Havana. That was an interesting ride, um, but uh, had a good time. But... This time around, we're going to be going to this province right here called Las Tunas, and I've put a little arrow here. This is the city of Las Tunas, but there's also a province with the same name. Same with Camagüey. You have the city of Camagüey, but you have a province of Camagüey there in Cuba. What our goal is at this point, Cuba limits, the, the, the country of Cuba, the government of Cuba limits missionary groups to only 25 visas per team so what we are trying to do if we get much more than that uh, say this last time we had 37 people signed up for wakias and not all 37 were michigan people but let's say we get about 40 people signed up then what we would do is we would split that in half and 20 of those people would go to one city in the province of las tunas and the other 20 would go to another city so that way we're, we're doing separate missions and we have basically two trips and one would be led by me and one would be led by Pastor Bentley. And that's, that's kind of the goal that, that we're looking for because otherwise, you know, if we get 27 people signed up, we'd probably just have to say you know, 25 of those get to go on the trip, but we'd have to work something out. But we're trying to get it enough that we can actually have two viable teams and go to two, very, two places. The two places that we've discussed at this point are the city of Las Tunas and then also another smaller town called Puerto Padre, which just means uh, port of the father, you could say, or father port, um, there in the, in the region or province of Las Tunas. Um, for those of you who have not been to Cuba prior to now, Cuba is a blast from the past. It is really unlike any other country in the western part of the world. Uh, they still embrace a communistic mindset. The government is communism. Now, they'll tell you it's a socialist republic, but it is communism all the way. Uh, things are very rigid as far as what the government allows and does not allow. And we do our best to always be very respectful and mindful of those things. And we try to educate you the best we can. So if you sign up for the trip, I'm not going to go through all those details now. But if you sign up for the trip, we have a pre- pre-trip conference calls where we give you orientation prior to, and we give you all the nitty gritty details about what to expect and what not to expect, what to say and what not to say, and those types of things. It's very important, especially going through customs, as we're well aware going through customs and uh, immigration there in the airport, things that you do not say and things that you do say in order to make your experience there in the airport as smooth and enjoyable as possible. What we have found is that the people of Cuba, the culture of Cuba is a very warm and very open culture. They're very happy to see you come. They're very eager to chat with you. Uh, One, for instance, when I have been in Cuba before, the first couple of times I was there, I'm always intrigued by how the kids look when they're dressed for school because they have these uniforms and they look just so meticulous in their uniforms. And they'll come out of school and they go, you know, they get this long break for lunch. They're in school like all day, from morning until late in the evening, but they have this big break in the middle of the day. And they come out, and they'll, they'll come to the park where you're sitting, or whatever. And they're out there trying to get on Wi-Fi themselves, or they get a little lunch from someplace. And there's been times where I've I've shouted to a group of kids. I'm a complete stranger. Here I am. You know, they know I'm not one of them. And I'll shout to this group of kids, and I'll say, "Hey, can we take a picture together?" Now, you know, in the United States, if we did that, I'd probably get arrested first of all, but. But second of all, kids would look at you like, what you know? And you'd have to beg them and you'd have to force them and coerce them. And you got to get close and, you know, do, tell them all this. But in Cuba, you say that, and these kids, there'll be 30 of them and they just jump into perfect poses and they get right there and they're just ready for their picture to be taken. So it's just a neat culture in that regard. Um, it's a very affectionate culture. You will find um, when you visit the churches or you visit people in their homes before you leave and w- when you get there and before you leave, you're greeted with a kiss on the cheek. And, and that is just very much part of their culture. And if you if you don't do it, it's sort of like, oh, what's what's wrong? Have we done something to offend you? And so uh, so they're very much that's that's their culture. So if you go, just expect that, and it's not something that's unusual. There's some facts that I wanted to share with you about Cuba itself. Uh, the population of Cuba is actually just a little bit more than the state of Michigan. Uh, it's 11.48 million, according to. 2018 demographics is the population of the entire island. Um, Let's see here. Religion, just to break it down for you, 60% of the island is Roman Catholic. All right. Say that. Roman Catholic. Yeah, supposedly, but we know how that is. That's even the same here in the States when it comes to Catholicism. Um, 25% of the island would just be considered secular or non-religious. So that's eighty-five percent of your makeup. Ten percent are non-Christian, but they are religious. So there's a lot of there's actually a lot of paganism and spiritualism on the island of Cuba. You'd, you'd be surprised, but there's a lot of that that goes on. I haven't encountered it so much, but you will find little, you'll find little images and things around in different and places. From what we were told it was more rural pockets, right? Because and this, this mission we did primarily was towards the city. More city, that's right.
2: Direction. That's right. That
1: yeah, the more that you go up that direction, that's correct. And then 5%, the final 5% would be considered Protestant and they have every every facet of Protestantism you could find. The Adventist church is growing very rapidly in the island of Cuba, and I'm very excited to see that. They're very open to the Gospel message, they're very receptive to the truth, as it is in Jesus, and so that has been an exciting thing as we've been there to see the reception. And we always get loads of baptisms every time we go to Cuba. Cuba is interesting because they're very structured in how they prepare people for baptism, the Cuban Adventist Church. You don't just come to a set of meetings and go through and say, yeah, I agree, and then you're baptized. There are three months, it's compulsory, three months of baptismal preparation classes that take place before someone gets into the baptistry, because they want to make sure that people understand what it is they're committing to. So any baptisms that we have done when we've been in Cuba are not just people that are fresh in off the street coming to our meetings. They have been doing Bible studies. They've been coming to Sabbath school. They've been learning these things. And then they come to the meetings and our meetings are sort of that final reaping thing for them. So the people there are doing a lot of groundwork and a lot of mission work already in their own their own area.
2: And all the new people as we leave are getting funneled into that three month
1: cycle. That's correct. So as we come and those people that do come in off the street, that's right. They are the ones then that are waiting for the next wave of that to happen. Uh the last time that Pastor Bentley and I were there in O'Geen, which was in 2017, seventeen. Twenty seventeen, um we uh I did about 20 baptisms one evening, one Saturday night, I did 20 in the baptistry. Um, that morning, how many did you do? I think we had like 10, 10. 10 or 12, and that was just in one location, and there were some others going on in satellite locations. So you always have a lot of people that are receptive, and that always feels good when you complete a mission and you see people grounded in and making those decisions. And those of you, I mean, I think most of you raised your hand, said so you've been missionaries before, so you know that feeling. Uh, continuing on the average monthly salary this is where cuba is just totally different than anything that i've ever experienced outside of the united states um for a physician for instance the average monthly salary for a physician in 2019 is 48 us dollars per month now that's up that's almost double what it was about six or eight years ago but uh so yeah so things are just really moving along great right but uh, yeah forty eight dollars a month an attorney makes about $42 USD a month. The currency in Cuba, there are two currencies in Cuba. You have the Cuban peso, which is their regular, that's what they get. And that's the local national currency, the Cuban peso. It's worth about 25 to $1 bill. So 25 Cuban pesos to one US dollar. So you can kind of do the math and figure out what they're earning in in their money. The thing is, things are not just necessarily uber cheap for them, so that it's down on this scale that makes sense. There are some things that that make sense, and and with the way that food and different things are rationed, you know, they get by somehow. But you're never going to get wealthy on a salary in Cuba. Period. That's just how it is. Um, school teachers make around 37 U.S. dollars per month, and we thought our teachers were underpaid. A pastor gets around thirty-three US dollars per month, and then your general laborer gets about twenty two US dollars a month. So that just gives you kind of an idea of what these individuals get to live off of and what they have month by month. This is not weekly, this is monthly salary um, in order to survive. But here's what is so amazing about the Cuban people is that what you will find is they are some of the utmost resourceful people that you have ever met. They can be Matter of fact, when we were there in O'Geen and we took the group to the, um, the excursion, and we'll talk about that in just a moment, what that entails, but we went on an excursion with the group and we had several of the local people. We try to get as many of the local people on our excursions as we can because they're working hard too. They're right there in the fray, shoulder to shoulder with us, and we want to reward them for their hard work as well. So we had a room that we had rented at this all-inclusive resort for the day. And we were uh, out there enjoying the pool and the buffet and all that sort of thing. And I came into the room to change my clothes. And there was a whole bunch of people in the room because they're just trying to enjoy this room that they would never get to see otherwise. And uh, we were talking. I got into a conversation with a lady about the the resourcefulness, if you will, of the Cuban people and how they are able to just use anything. And she goes, oh, yes, of course, for instance. And there's like this little, it looked like an end table. But it was just this like cube, white cube that stood about uh, yay high. And it was about, it was as wide as it was tall. It was just a cube that sat on the floor. And she goes, yeah, for instance, this could be a dinner table. It could be a seat. It could be a footrest. And she starts demonstrating for me what everything that they would use it for. And of course, she's laughing. I mean, they've got a really good spirit about it. But the point is they are very resourceful because they realize what they have to do. So what our mission is for these trips is, first and foremost, the main focus of what we do is to go and preach the gospel. And we do this in two ways. You heard Wes mention that we go and we have health talks, so we do health evangelism, and we assign a person each night, uh, well, to each location, that each night will present a very general topic on health. Now, we're not going to these countries to bring CHIP, okay? These people aren't ready for that. But what we are doing is we're coming there to talk about why it's important to eat less sugar, why diabetes is a huge problem and how to avoid that and how to reverse it. We come there and talk about why it's important to get plenty of good, clean water in your, in your diet or in your life every day. The importance of exercise, where they're just talking about the basics. Yeah, why it's important not to smoke. It's incredible in Cuba. I mean, these people, they have a longevity, really. They live a long time, but they all smoke. You know you see people just smoking constantly everywhere. It's just smoking and drinking. And so I think that the only reason why they either they've got really good genetics or it's because they walk and ride bicycles like everywhere they go. So I mean, and, and they work a lot of physical labor, so I think it offsets some of those poor habits, but we're there to try to help them through some of those things and offer them a better alternative in that regard. Uh, the Children's Ministry program is a vbs style program and here's what i love about doing these with quiet hour quiet hour will supply for you all of the materials so if you're going to be a health presenter you will have all of the the health talks and the materials presented for you now it's the raw material and you get to work with that how you want to do it you can you can pare it down you can you know you can add things to it whatever but they're giving you the materials and the basic tools necessary to do it. If you're preaching the sermons, they supply you with the PowerPoint sermons. You will want to bring your own computer. Quiet Hour is actually in the process right now of transitioning everything to streamline everything so that everything is run from iPad type tablets, and they're gonna send a small projector and a tablet with everybody that has everything in it so that you can operate and function that way. That's what they're working towards. They're not quite there yet, it's a big project to do that. But at this point, at least as of today, maybe by the time we go to Cuba, they'll have transition. But as of today they supply you with a PowerPoint presentation that you put onto your computer and or computer that you borrow from someone and you will present from there. Like I have told many people, if you are able to read and articulate, you can preach. I had a lady from the warren church she used to she was a member of mine in the previous district and then when i moved she moved and became a a member at warren and she is uh, in her mid 70s or late 70s first mission trip ever always had been a very timid kind of behind the scenes person prior to this experience said i've always wanted to go on a mission trip she came to me and said pastor i want to go on a mission trip what do you need for me to do? And just the day before she came to see me, I had been praying saying, Lord, I am short speakers for this Wachias mission trip. What am I gonna do? And she came and said that, and I said, Joyce, the Lord is calling you to be a main speaker. And she looked at me like, uh, and I said, you can do it, Joyce. And I'll tell you, she went, now we did, we put her in the smallest church to, get, to not make it so intimidating. We put her in the smallest church, but that little house church was packed every single night. Standing room only, wall-to-wall people. She probably had 40 or 50 in attendance. She and she preached the gospel like, I mean, it was. we went and saw her a few times, and we were so proud of her. She preached the gospel, and guess what? Since she came home with... She's had the sermon at church and gave an entire sermon about the experience of how God has transformed her life through that experience. So just because you might think, oh, I've never done that before. I don't think I can handle this particular thing. The Lord knows what your potential is, and he will put you in the right spot. Amen. And so we have uh, folks that will come and do this VBS. Am I hitting the wrong button? I am. You'll have folks that will come and do a VBS-style program. That's a lot of fun. In Wauquias, we were very short on uh, interpreters, and so some of our folks just had to kind of make do, but the kids still loved it anyway. Right, Jennifer? They still loved it. They had a great time. We went and saw that. And a lot of grunts and hand-waving, but it was great. It worked. It worked. Fantastic. Why don't you tell a little bit about this, Pastor Bentley?
2: Yeah, we, uh, during the daytime, um, it's just uh, standing around. It's not just looking for something to do. During the daytime, uh, we're busy. Uh, we do try to give time for preparation for the materials, but during the day, as you saw from uh, Pastor Wes's slides, we are trying to meet felt needs, real needs in the community beyond just spiritual. And one of those things that Quiet Hour is really good at doing is the eyeglass clinics. And it's reading glasses, right? We're not trying to diagnose people's you know, you know optical problems or ophthalmology, I don't know how you say that, eye problems, but um, we are trying to help them read better. And in Cuba, you would be amazed what a resource reading glasses are. You think that's just a pair of little Walmart readers. That's a nothing. To you, it's nothing. You think in the the eye clinic, they were lined up. Wait till you see Cuba when the word gets out that they're giving out free reading glasses. I mean, we didn't really know what to expect that first time in O'Geen and it was the Oguin Central Church. I mean, we were, we were virtually mobbed, um, and it was trying to figure out what we were doing and how to get organized really quickly. But we'll do the same thing this time, and word will get out. It travels very quickly. One thing you have to keep in mind is we're, we're, we're spoiled with Internet, right? Well, the Internet down there is the people because you only have Internet, and it's changed a little bit. But the public you have to buy these little data cards, and you have to go to public parks to get on Wi-Fi, but they get the word out. And so we try to do that uh, through the churches. Also, um, the health fair will depend on who we have on the trip. Quiet Hour's mission is not to conduct a medical mission. It's to do the eye clinic. The reason we were able to do the medical work that we did in Wachias was because we had a doctor, uh, and Dr. Joe, I... I would love to have that brother on every trip that we do. He's Amen. such a he's such a gentle Amen. spirit. And he speaks Spanish. Oh yeah, he's he's great, and just just such a gent- And I think he's single. Yeah, he is. He's single. If you know anybody, but uh, just a <laughs> just a great guy. Um, and we had several nurses, of course, so we were able to do a little bit more in Machias. But what we do is when we see the team, we kind of assess that. Um, and then we try to adapt and do what we can as much as we can. And of course, it also
1: depends on what, what rights and what we have, what we're able to do in the country. What
2: we can do legally. Perfectly. Yeah. Yeah, and the great thing about Wachias is Dr. Joe could write down what medicine he needed. On a table napkin. On a table napkin or a scratch of paper, and we could go to their local pharmacia and they would give us what is prescription medicine here. It's over the counter there. and they and
1: just say, how many do you want, and...
2: Right. And so, you're, you know, we're sitting here trying to think, how can we get this on eBay? No, not really. But uh, it was very nice there. In Cuba, that's not going to be the same. Right. So we'll have to take some supplies and we have to declare supplies before we can bring them in. Uh, so it's a lot, a lot different. But we'll get into more details with that down the road. How about construction? Yeah, the construction projects, um, we try to work with the local conference and the local church pastors to see what their needs are. Now, we're not trying to be Maranatha. All right. Maranatha has a very unique mission where they're trying to do these one day churches or or these different things like that. We're doing things that are on a smaller scale that don't require as much skilled labor, uh, doesn't require all of the tools and the foreman's and those sort of things. But just like the baptistry. Right. It's like trying to uh, trench in the drain lines or lay some block and stuff for bathrooms uh, do painting. It just depends on what the conference would have us to do. And we will know ahead of time, by the time we get to the conference calls where we're briefing you on all the details, we will have a pretty good idea, because here's one of the great things about this trip. We have worked with this conference president before, and this brother is on the ball. He actually messages us on WhatsApp that didn't even know we were coming on a trip he just keeps in touch with us and if we tell pastor aber hey we need this or we want to know what you want to do he knows what to do and he's on the ball for those of you that went to wakias it was your first quiet hour trip this will be a very different logistics trip so we will know that, and then we'll try to brief you so that if there's a need to bring some gloves or special tools or something you might need, we can let you know what this, that is.
1: This was Wachias' first one-hour trip.
2: That's right. And so even those, if there's any of you that are going back in Thanksgiving uh, with Pastor
1: Herthel, you'll see that they'll be a little more prepared as well. And what I've appreciated about, uh, also as Pastor Bentley has mentioned, with this particular area of Cuba, I don't want to keep clipping it to my shirt if I don't have to. I'm just going to try to stand still. I like to move when I talk, so I'll have to do my best. But what I liked about, uh, what I like about Cuba is that they are very familiar with how to work with missionaries, and they are very eager to step in and do everything they can to make our mission trip run smoother and for it to be successful in every aspect. Uh, one of the examples is there in, this is the Eastern Conference of Cuba, which includes Olguin and the Las Tunas area and one other province there, and, and it leaves my mind at this point. But it's a pretty big conference with quite a few members, and all of their staff in the conference office, they're working endless hours, it seems, to serve and to help us. Uh, Pastor Aber, the conference president, his secretary, David, Was actually sleeping on a rollaway cot in his office at the conference because he didn't live so close to the conference office. And that way he could be up at the crack of dawn working on our behalf and was staying there working late at night until everything was done and then he would go to bed. And I kept coming to him and I'm like, David, you're working too much. I mean, I appreciate it very much. Everything you're doing is wonderful, but you're working too much. And his response to me every time was, it's with pleasure pastor it's with pleasure that i'm serving so the attitude and the heart is just incredible there i mean as as team leaders we have to fill out multiple reports for the eyeglass clinics for the vbs for the for the um uh, The evangelism that's taking place. And we have many reports, plus the finance report, plus all the receipts. It's quite a job for the team leader behind the scene doing this stuff. And what was so amazing is David took several of those reports. I explained to him what needed to go on there. And he said, No, 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 let me do these reports for you. I want to do the reports. I'll put all the information in. So I just, it just made the trip just. It was just amazing. So you'll see that in Cuba. Um, and, we're, and I'm really saying that and spending time on that for those of you who went to Wauquias and saw what Pastor Bentley and I were doing. Because we were running around like gophers the entire time trying I to keep up. The day before Christmas. <laughs> I bet you did. I slept like 18 hours <laughs> just to recover. Yeah, so it was, it I mean, we were running. It was a wonderful trip. But we were running and, uh, and it was a lot different than any trip I had been on, just because, again, we were breaking them into the whole idea of having missionaries. They'd never had an American missionary down there doing what we were doing in that part of the in that part of the country. So it was it was pretty great. Um, how do you sign up? So Wes, this is what we were talking about just a little bit ago. I checked the website just before I came down here, and it is uh, qhministries.org. That'll take you to the homepage. And as a matter of fact, I think right on the homepage they now have links to the upcoming trips. You might have to click the thing at the bottom that says see more and it'll pull up the rest of the list. If not, up at the top you'll see upcoming trips or just a link that says trips. You can click on that. And right now our 2020 trip shows up and it's the very last one in the list, of course. And it says Cuba 2020 in March and it says I'm interested. So it's not a sign-up link yet because there are certain details that have to be worked out yet. Um, before we can full full on have you sign up. But uh, you can at least go there and it does p- pull up a page that you can put your name and your address and your phone number and it asks you certain questions that you can give your information to Quiet Hour and then they will have you on the pre-list so that when it comes time and when everything is is done and it's ready for you to sign up, they will be in contact with you directly. You don't have to wait on us to tell you, hey, go sign up. They'll be emailing you, they'll be contacting you and saying, now we have the trip ready for you to sign up Um, things that you should know about cuba this particular trip the trips usually run every trip i've been on in cuba has been nineteen hundred and fifty dollars but i don't like to quote that until i have it nailed down by quiet hour but uh, so that's why i put that little tilde there and say it's approximately two thousand dollars per person what does that cover The cost of the trip covers everything for you from the time you enter your home airport until the time you leave your home airport on your trip back. Does that make sense what I'm saying? So you get to the airport and you step on the flight. That flight's covered in the $2,000, okay? You land in Cuba. You have a place to stay. Your place to stay is covered by the $2,000. You get three meals a day. Now, when I say three meals a day, don't expect, uh, you know, four eggs over medium and, you know, six striples and a big bunch of toast or scrambled tofu or whatever you like. I say it's three meals a day and it's what Cuba is able to provide for us. Amen. We guarantee you that you will have at least lacto-ovo vegetarian meal options. what that means is most meals will have dairy served with them. It doesn't mean that dairy's in every single thing that they cook. I'm just saying that every meal will probably have some kind of dairy or egg product served along with it in some way. What we have to remember is Cuba is not home. We're the foreigners when we go there, and so they do the best that they can for us with what they have to offer. Does that make sense? And so, you know, you have to sometimes leave certain requirements that you have for your day-to-day life back at home, understanding that I'm leaving and I'm going as a representative of Jesus, and I have to do what I have to do in order to survive for this 10 or 11 days.
2: Just to put the food into perspective a little bit, when we went to Cuba last time, to Oguin, we took the crew to that day resort. This is a resort where people fly in from around the world, in Canada, different places. They come there as an all-inclusive resort. There were vegetables and fruits that were not available to the resort just because it's not available right. through the government rationing system. That's right. So if you understand they get what they can, but their resources are not just, there's no Walmart, Meijer, Costco.
1: That's right. You're not getting. And so I always like to just, I I like, and any time I talk about Cuba, I like to prepare folks for this because it's just, it's, it never fails. Every Cuba trip I've been on, I've had, you know, one or two people like, well, can't we just at least get an avocado? Can't we at least have this? Can't we? And what you understand is what they're fixing for us from the conference folks, it's really better than what they're eating in their home. It's, it's like they're going out of their way. The first time I ever went to Cuba, um, The people it was one of the very first trips to Cuba that Quiet Hour had made. And there were people in the group that kinda had that diva mentality. I hate to use that terminology, but you know, I mean I paid money to go on this trip and I should have this, that, you know, that that, just that arrogant kind of mindset. It's a mission trip. It's not vacation. It's not we're not going down there to just you know, I want you to enjoy it. Absolutely. I want you to have fun. I want you to think, wow, it's neat, I'm in Cuba, it's something new. But that's not the primary purpose of the trip, amen? The primary trip, purpose of the trip is I'm going down there to represent Jesus and to show the love of Jesus to these people that hearts can be changed and moved. That's the reason we go. And so I had to, even though I was just one of the team members, I was not a leader on that trip, I my pastoral mode kicked in and I had to have some conversation with some of the folks saying, remember, you're not in the United States. This is not SoCal. You know, we don't have avocado toast here. Um, this, is, this is Cuba and we have to live like it's Cuba and understand that we're in Cuba but the, the conference folks had gotten some wind that there was some of this complaining going on, even though the language barrier is there, but they could see it and they could understand. The, pastor, the uh, president's wife got on a bicycle one afternoon for about four hours and rode around the city of Camagüey in order to buy eight tomatoes just so that she could make a better salad because people had complained. So that just goes to show you, you know, and, and I'll tell you, I was horrified. I was horrified by that because I said, here we are, how dare we come here and act this way and make them feel this way when they're trying their very best to go out of their way to serve us what they can. So I just, I like to just mention that, not as a rebuke, but just as a reminder that we go down there and... and be grateful that we have food to eat, Amen. Because I guarantee you, there's a lot of people there that wonder where their next meal is coming from. And there's, they have a little saying. They say, you know, every day in Cuba, we try to mix up our meals. Uh, one day we'll have rice and beans, and the next day we have beans and rice. And and they love to say that. You know, that's just the thing. They have very good senses of humor. Um, the trip is all-inclusive, so your $2,000, like I say, is all-inclusive. You will not be expected to cover any expenses once once you send in your donation. And it is a non-refundable, tax-deductible donation to Quiet Hour. Well, you're really not paying for the trip. You're not paying for the trip. And so that's what I like for people to understand. Well, what if I don't get to go? You've made a donation to the ministry. Thank you. And we do thank you for that that donation to the ministry. So keep that in mind. It is, and the reason they do it this way is so that it does maintain that tax deductible charitable contribution for everyone across the board. Basically, in order for you to participate in the mission trip, okay, you are responsible to raise this amount of money. Now, whether it comes out of your pocket or you use a the webpage that, that Quiet Hour provides for you, because Quiet Hour does provide a fundraising page for every person that signs up, and anybody with your link can go in and donate on your behalf to go on the trip. Um, Pastor Bentley and I have been very successful in this, on the trips that we've been on, where we set up our page and we just put it out there we're not begging anybody to help but it's incredible that people will come to your side and say hey you're going to serve let me put 100 bucks let me put 50 bucks and it adds up quick and before you know it the trip is paid for so what i always tell people is if if the price ever seems big which that really shouldn't seem steep at all for an 11 day trip with food and and accommodations and everything but if the price seems kind of st- a steep don't allow that to be a deterrent for you, okay? The Lord will provide the money. If he's calling you to go and be a missionary, he will provide the funds one way or the other. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.